Great afternoon. You are in the fast lane with Sarah Jane. And here with me today is Brian Swift, who is also known as the Quadfather, who I met uh, in a class. We, t we took a, a class together. So we didn't really, I mean, you meet, but you don't really get to know the person, right? But I'm watching Brian on social media, and he really lives up to the, uh, what my phrase is, encourage people to do better, live better, be better. And so I wanted to bring him on today because I think that he will encourage all of you as well. So Brian, welcome into the fast lane. Thank you, Sarah. I appreciate you having me. So when I was looking at your website, and anyone can see this, I was impressed that Brian is a John Maxwell team certified member. So that um, that is a lot of dedication. I know that for sure. And then there's this little paragraph that I want to read you from his website. And then he can really go in and tell you what obstacles he has overcame. It says, I know what it's like to face tremendous obstacles and thrive all the way through it. Many people come to me with limiting beliefs and doubts that hold them back. But I believe that everyone is capable of success. And that's why I've spent over 30 years developing hundreds of successful leaders. What are your obstacles, Brian? Well, you know, I, I don't view them as obstacles anymore. And I stopped that type of thinking years ago because I had to. And then I had to learn how to teach other people to stop viewing every little bump in the road as an obstacle and kind of keep it in perspective or change their perspective. So what started me on this path, I guess was in 1979, the day after Christmas, I was out with my friends playing football. Playing football I've done my whole life, basketball, baseball, I was very athletic. And we were just at a park and I got tackled. And I didn't get hit hard. I didn't fall on my head. I didn't fall on my neck. And I broke my neck. So from the age of 17 on, I've been a quadriplegic. Um, that changes your life right away. And a lot of people, you know, wonder about, the, you know, quadriplegic is somebody who's paralyzed basically from the chest down. Uh, I've worked very hard to get my arm movement back. I have no hand movement. But the outlook for the life of a quadriplegic back in this 79 was horrid. I mean, it would it would make a horror story today. Um, and they weren't shy telling you, you know, what you know, what you're going to need. And it, it was just not pretty. But I come from a background of strong faith and a strong family. And my mantra is my trinity, which is faith, family and friends. And if you can stick to those, man, um, you can get through anything. So, you know, I, I went through rehab and and uh, had very strong support with my family. And, you know, I had a father that was just old school. He's like, you know, they're saying, well, you know, look into what kind of electric wheelchair you need. And my dad's like, he ain't coming home in an electric wheelchair. You know, I don't care what he's got to do. You know, he's not coming home in an electric wheelchair. It just was the way it was. And I didn't come home in an electric wheelchair. So, and it was, you know, I got home and it was, you know, figure it out. You know, like I had good friends and the day, you know, your life's got to continue. So I got home on a Friday. I went back to high school on Monday, graduated. Um, 
worked out every day. My friends would push me up to the up to the school and we would, you know, they throw me on and off the weight bench or do things with me. And same thing with pushing, you know, it started, you know, at the driveway and then down to the bottom of the driveway and then down to the bottom of the driveway into the corner. And then, you know, and then around the block and then further and further and further. And I just was very driven not to be a statistic. Like I just didn't want to be what they said would happen. And back in those days, I mean, it was, you know, 10% of quads get a job. I mean, the statistics were horrible, but you know, I went on, I finished high school. I started junior college. I dated, I learned to drive again, finished junior college, went on to St. Xavier university, finished four years there, still dating, still going out with my friends, going away for weekends. I just kept moving forward. How did you not, how did depression, I mean, you were a healthy, vibrant 17 year old. That is a young person. How did you not let depression or anxiety overcome you? Um, I, I could tell you exactly what really helped with that. And when I say of an old school father, you know, in old school parents, very different. So this is what changed my whole psyche. I was in rehab. It was, I was probably in there a month. My birthday was at the end of January. So I'd only been in there, say, three, four weeks. And I know I was sitting up in, in rehab and um, thinking, well, what a horrible way to spend your 18th birthday, right? I mean, this was not my idea of how I wanted to spend my 18th birthday. My dad came up to visit me for lunch, came in. And I was at a table alone. He came in, sat down, took his overcoat off, hung it up. We probably talked a little bit. And then he just stood up and went and got his coat, put it on and came back. And he said, I'm not coming up here again if you're going to be in a shitty mood. He goes, I don't come up here to see you down. If you are not smiling, I will not come up here. He, He goes, it is your job to keep the family up. It is your job to keep the family motivated. As you go, the family will go. That is your job. And he took his coat off, sat down. We had lunch. Like nothing happened because that's the way my dad was. He got up and he left. And I knew it was my job to keep this family together by being motivated and moving forward with life. That was it. It was just that simple. That was up to me not to let what happened to me destroy our family. Wow. That's that's a lot to put on someone your age you can either rise to the occasion or fall, really. So it's pretty amazing that you got yourself out of rehab. You, I mean, all the things that you just mentioned, really just what anyone would do, except you had to do it. It was, it was probably more difficult in some ways to do things, but you did it. Now, how can you, do you find it easier to coach people? Because do you sometimes look at people who are maybe struggling with an issue that they might have and you really break it down and tell them like some of this stuff is just so trivial. Like, well, you know, when uh, yeah, you're, like, I, you're, I mean, you're limiting beliefs and your doubts, look at what you overcame. Like, is it sometimes frustrating to coach people because you're thinking I have came so far and you're upset over these little trivial things or how, how do you work with that? Um, 
it is internally sometimes, but I think it helps them more understanding my story and realizing that if he could do it, I should be able to do some of these things that I take. Because I try, you know, what's trivial, comparing almost anything in life to breaking your neck at 17 does seem trivial. But it's not. If the biggest thing that happened to you is, you know, X, and that is really bringing you down, I, I don't, I, I can't compare it to what happened to me. That is the biggest thing that happened to you. But I, I think, I, you know, I've learned so much about mindset. So I don't know if you've ever heard of NLP, Neuro Linguistics Programming. It's basically retraining your mind because our, our minds are malleable. We could retrain them. And it was something I did years ago and started years ago. That's how I've gotten to where I'm at. And that's why I've been so blessed to do all the things I do, like learn how to deal with pain. Um, you have to you have to learn how to accept pain and not let it bring you down, but let it drive you. And, and there's ways you can do that. Um, so I take everything I've learned, not just from experience, but from thousands of hours of reading, thousands of hours studying, thousands of hours of coaching people, not just in business or not just personally, but I also coached athletics. I also coached in high school, football and basketball. I loved sports. I loved playing them. I played a lot of wheelchair sports because I loved the competition. Um, but I, what's made me better or made me a better coach athletically is I can't physically show you like how to kick a ball or how to get into a stance or how to shoot a good free throw. So I had to learn how to explain things. It's such a simple level because I can't physically do them that kids learn quicker because they understood it. Wow. They understood everything behind it. You know, it's like telling a kid who's at bat, just hit the ball. Right. I mean, we've all we all we're all parents. If our kids play, just hit the ball, just catch the ball. You know what? It's just not that simple. I mean, if you could explain to a kid the best way to hit the ball, you know, not, you know, they will catch on faster because they all want to hit a ball. Right. They all want to catch a ball. They all want to shoot a ball and get it into the basket. But it's the, there's a lot behind that. It's not just that simple. So as, a, as an athletic coach, I had to learn how to explain to somebody why you keep your elbow in and why it's important to follow through. Or with quarterbacks, how important your footwork is and and and, and, you're, and using your hips to throw and throwing off your back foot. When you can explain all that, people get it. Same thing with coaching businesses. You know, somebody may be absolutely awesome and understand their craft and their trade, but they're missing a lot of business sense and, and marketing might not be their thing. And they might even not be great at networking. But when you just say, well, you got to get out and network. Okay. Everybody understands networking, but when you explain the why behind that and the benefit behind that, it becomes clearer, mm -hmm. but you've got to want it. I've coached a lot of people who, want it but don't want to put in the work mm -hmm. that is the toughest thing when you want it more than them 
So I find that too with health being, you know, when people want a quick fix and nothing, nothing worthwhile is easy. I always say, but what do you find daily as your biggest challenge? Oh, wow. Um, I am very, uh, my biggest challenge daily, probably to try to accomplish all the things I'd like to accomplish because sometimes I just need help because like my hands, that's the most I can move my hands. But people think your hands work, you know, because I can, you know, you learn over the years, like I could pick up a glass. So they think, oh, I, I see him drinking and, you know, I see him hold his phone, but your hands don't work. So um, I guess m my biggest challenge is um, patience. You know, I struggle with patience um, for myself and sometimes with the people helping me. Um, and you would think after 40 years in a wheelchair, you you'd learn patience. But, um, you know, like my days, like I got planned and I stay busy and busy and busy because that is, for me, the best way to deal with everything around me. I, I, I love seeing people succeed. I love having a purpose, getting up in day, every day and having a purpose. Um, that's what I try to do with the disability community is try to help them have a purpose not just get up and survive. I mean, I decided 40 years ago, I wasn't going to survive. I was going to thrive. I mean, I, I, I wasn't, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to just survive. I, there's no sense in that. I'm not going to be anybody's burden. We I just wish. had a conversation about this yesterday, about like a lot of people when they retire, how a lot of times their health goes down because they no longer have a purpose. They felt needed at, even if their job was stressful, they felt needed or they were a parent or, you know, like you just don't feel as needed. So every mentally, maybe physically you're still walking every day, but mentally it just takes such a toll on you. So I, I like how you said that. And it's true. I mean, people who don't have hobbies or people, I mean, we're in, in, in I think we're a society that we've overindulged in our kids with athletics. I was guilty. Um, and then I have three children, three kids are not children anymore, but you know, about, you know, when I was, my, my older son kind of was starting to get out of sports. I realized I have to find other things to do with the kids. Cause eventually sports ends and I still want to be around them and do things. So, you know, we, I geared them all into hobbies that we could all do, you know, whether that's fishing, whether that's archery, you know, whether that's playing a game of chess, um, just I think they're all good for. They're all good hobbies to have, things you can do as you get older and all of a sudden, you know, I you're you're an empty nester. I don't look forward to that, man. I love having the kids around um, or family around. But, you know, as an empty nester, you, you look around, especially when you go from being a busy house down to that it's it's weird and and i'm not an empty nester yes yet but um i have a lot of hobbies thank god so yeah now, I, one of I, your I, hobbies I, is writing because you've written how many books i just put out my seventh book um i've, I've been really blessed I'm, I'm not a great writer i don't le least think i am well you know my style is very straightforward uh, the best compliments I get is it's an easy read. 
I don't overcomplicate things. I don't try to use big words to impress people. I am like Johnny Lunchbucket, blue collar. I, I want to tell you the way it is without having to use words to like, if, if I could do it in a hundred pages, I, I, I'm not, I've read too many books that are 300 pages that should have been a hundred pages. So that's my last book was called Developing True Grit. Grit is, is a, it's a fascinating word. You don't hear too much anymore, but it is a characteristic to me that has allowed me to get where I'm at. I think it's a characteristic a lot of people have, but it's a characteristic that I think we're losing in society because we've made it too easy for the younger people. Um, and it's something you can't teach anybody. You can't be taught grit. You can't learn it out of a book. It comes with tough love experience. Um, I think you, you can learn it, but it can't be taught, if that makes sense. So seven books, the last one about grit, what were the other ones about? So the first one was called Rising Up, uh, or, or Up, Getting Up is the Key to Life. It was kind of chronological. It's a chronological uh, calendar of kind of breaking my neck and what I went through, you know, uh, the first 10 years. And then up getting up is the key to life kind of has more details of down the road. But in it, I give how I got up and mental suggestions and, uh, you know, things I use to keep myself motivated and going. So it's to help you kind of learn how to deal with getting knocked down, right? We all get knocked down. It's not if we're going to get knocked down. So both those try to drive towards how to get back up when you've been knocked down. So those are the, the first two. And then I, you know, I did a couple culmination books with um, several other gentlemen. One was called Godly, Godly Men Make Godly Fathers. So that was a real interesting book with about 20 different men that I did. And then I did, um, I wanted to do a children's book. So I, I did a, a, a kid's book, which was really fun and interesting, except I can't draw, uh, not well. So I had to have somebody help me on that. And it's called Have a Ball. So it's all these characters that are, you know, like a basketball that's a person, you know, that's got feet and talks and a football and a baseball. So I did that one. And then after kind of being 40 years in the wheelchair, I don't know how the name came around, but I kind of branded myself as the quad father. So the quad like father, then, so then I wrote a book called the quad father. And that kind of came out as part frustration of dealing with the disability community and hearing people's excuses. So the quad father is this tough love, unapologetic, answer to everybody's excuses on why they they can't or won't or don't think they can so it's a kind of suck it up buttercup you can get this done and this is how so i you know i talk about the excuse and then this is how i get past the excuse well i feel like you just slapped me across the face and i feel like i need to read the quad father because as you're telling me that you've authored seven books I have four books that I have started writing, all completely different, and I literally cannot finish a single one of them. I get in my own head, this isn't making sense, this isn't going to be interesting, blah, blah, blah. Then if I'm at home 
I find it hard to do. If we are on vacation, I am typing away. Like I can't type fast enough, but it's like, it's an excuse. You're right. I need to read this book and get out of my own way. If you want help, I'd be more than glad to help you. But don't ever doubt your story. Every story makes an impact on somebody. So I don't know if you're writing fiction or whatever you're writing, but don't ever doubt it. Um, write it. Just just write it. I mean, I've changed mine numerous times with things, but just 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 write it. That's fascinating. And if you want help, I'd be more than glad to help. Not that I'm any big. Thing, well, you've but... written seven books. You know a heck of a lot more about it than the average person. I love this. And you had brought tears to my eyes when you said, um, talking about people and their excuses, because unfortunately, uh, people are so full of them and, and maybe at no fault of their own. I think no, a lot of times we, the- right, we doubt ourselves and we, there's so many negative influences in life that sometimes it's really hard to filter it out. We, um, bom- we, we are bombarded through negative thoughts. So part of, part of what I, one of the speeches I give when I, if, when I do some speaking is the power of positive self-talk. And would you believe we have 80,000 thoughts a day as a person? And out of those 80,000, 70% of them are negative. And we repeat 90% of that. So between our own negative self-talk that is subconscious, the crap on TV, some of the crap music, wherever we're bombarded, you you have to make it, you have to be intentional about bringing yourself up and talking positive, listening to the music you'd like to listen to and getting out and exercising and grounding when you get outside and, and just, you know, taking yourself to away from this indoctrination of crap that society has drilled on us. Are you a man of faith, Brian? I kind of figured after um, faith was one of your three things and uh, one of your books referred to God. And have you made that a family event? 100%. 100%. You know, um, I think for a while, years ago, we all got pushed into the closet showing, you know, our faith because we were afraid we would offend somebody. I've never been there. So, um, yes, you know, going to church, uh, I will say since COVID, haven't been the best. But faith starts in the home. I went to parochial schools. So I went to a Catholic grammar school. I went to a high school with the, I had the Christian Brothers of Ireland, Girl and Anya. Um, but my faith started at home. And my mom is one of the strongest faith. If it wasn't for her, I would not have the faith. I, my dad is too, but... My mom's faith is un, unbelievable. And when I got hurt, it was just this simple. Things happen for a reason. We don't know why. God has his plan, but he wants us to move forward. Bam. That was it. I mean, you know, I say prayers every day. I say a prayer from that my grandmother taught me. Um, I, I ask my one thing I ask my kids constantly, you say your prayers. Are you saying your prayers in the morning? 
you know, don't be praying for yourself. Don't be praying for things. Uh, you know, one Christmas years and years ago, they all got Bibles. Um, I yeah, faith is, faith is extremely important. That's why my, my mantra, my Trinity is faith, family, and friends. You build those three things and you will have a blessed life. Didn't say easy. Nobody promised easy. No. The Lord didn't even promise easy. Mm -hmm. But that's a good foundation. And you can't build a house on a bad foundation. You build it on that foundation and you've got a mighty foundation. So what are you, what is one nugget that you would leave people with? Uh, I invited you on because I feel because you really do embody encouraging people to live, do, and be better. What is one little nugget that you would give to someone listening today? Life is so short. And you need intention to go find what makes you happy. Find what makes you happy and start doing it. Just start doing it. Whatever that happy is, as long as it's not hurting anybody else, Find what makes you happy and start doing it and then build on it. All you have to do is one thing. Find one thing you do every day that makes you happy. And then after a week or two, find a second thing. Find a third thing. Or, and not to be self-serving, if you're stuck, go get help. Go talk to your, go, go, go talk to a friend. Go talk to your priest or pastor. Go talk to somebody. Hire a coach. Um, to help you get out of the funk, to help you be accountable, to help you start that business you wanted. There, there, you, you can't do it alone. I didn't do this alone. I, I, there's, I didn't come this far alone. I have great, great people behind me and around me. And, and keep this in mind. You are the sum of the five people that you surround yourself with. Who are you surrounding yourself with? Are they bringing you up or down? If they're bringing you down, get rid of them. That's pretty good advice. Well, Brian, I think that you are an inspirational person and oh. even more so after talking to you because being in class with you, uh, it was obvious that you knew what was going on, but I'm very impressed at how you have brought yourself really up out of the ashes and you encourage people on a daily basis. I try. I, I believe, um, it, it just think we all did that. Now, not everybody is is wired that way, but I mean, if we all could take a step to make ourselves better, that spreads to other people. So, and it takes no more effort to be that way than it does to be a grumpy sob. So, <laughs> uh, you know, I choose to get up happy. I love getting up. So, get up happy. Thanks for listening to the Fast Lane with Sarah Jane podcast. If you like what you hear, share the podcast and hit the subscribe button so you get updates on all new episodes. And we truly love feedback, so ratings and reviews are appreciated.